above the noise Turn and run to you I have no choice I'm choosing to trust in love over logic Following the sound of your voice Yes, I am hearing you above the din Remembering your touch on my skin Welcome back, you guys. Nice to see you again. This is Richard Sachs on Lost Arts Radio. We had a presentation recently by Dr. Rima Labo on the danger posed by the WHO, WHO, World Holocaust Organization, and the United Nations. Not sure what the real name of the United Nations is yet. We'll have to ask Dr. Labo. And uh, plans that they have together that they're moving forward with to take over sovereign nations in the name of health crises and what they plan to do when they get control of that. And it's very close. Well, and most importantly, what you can do to stop it. And this is an addendum, kind of a sequel to that presentation because there's much more information that's critical, specifically a warning to parents and anybody that cares about kids. And in my opinion, we're all kids in different sized bodies. Um, there's a danger from the movement that's going along with the WHO and the UN and it's penetrated into societies, including America, in many different ways. And we're going to talk about that and uh, what needs to be done about it. So welcome, Dr. Label, and thanks for being Thank here. Thank you. Really appreciate Thank you, it. Richard. Always a pleasure to be here. Yes, I agree. So what's your idea? Why did you need to make another chapter on this presentation? What's the part that we didn't cover thoroughly? Well, actually, because these plans have been laid for such a very long time and are so comprehensive, there are many areas where information is relevant and it's impossible to talk about it all at the same time. So today I'd like to share something that touches all of us, whether or not we have children, whether or not we like children, whether or not we care about children. Um the many people at this point are aware of the fact that comprehensive sexuality education is being pushed in our schools all over the world, whether you're in Pakistan or whether you're in Zimbabwe or whether you're in uh, New York or whether you're in Buenos Aires, wherever you are. Your children are now being exposed to something called comprehensive sexuality education. That's and an I actual want to make official the, title, isn't it? As an actual official title. And I want to make the point really clearly that we're not talking about sex education. Sex education is fact-based. It says tab A, slot B, how you get pregnant, how you don't get venereal diseases, sexually transmitted diseases, um, what constitutes um, offensive touching, what doesn't constitute offensive touching. It's information-based. This is not sex education. This is sexuality education based on a completely debunked and um, inaccurate uh, pseudoscientific view of children as sexual beings. Now, children, I'm a child and adolescent psychiatrist. I know a good deal about psychosexual development. I know what happens when it goes well. You can grow up and be a reasonable, healthy, um, integrated adult. And what happens when it goes poorly, when children are molested, when children are um, uh, preyed upon by pedophiles and uh, when children are confused about sex and sexuality, what happens is that changes occur in the actual nervous system, in the actual body, and certainly in the personality and emotional uh, maturational levels of that child, so much so that it's generally 
impossible to undo all of the damage of early childhood trauma, sexual trauma, and sexual predation. Well, these people know that. And so uh, we have to back up a little bit and talk about who these people are and talk about where they got their money and how they got their pseudoscience. Who these people are, are at right off the bat, the World Health Organization, which I call the World Holocaust Organization or the World Harm Organization, the United Nations, supposedly a peacekeeping organization, but in fact a world domination organization, and UNESCO, the uh, another individual or independent organization like the Food and Agriculture Organization, like the World Health Organization, like UNICEF. There are a whole bunch of these subsidiary organizations that do the work of the United Nations. Well, why do we have the United Nations? John D. Rockefeller Sr. was the world's first billionaire, far richer than Anshul Rothschild, by the way. And he decided that he was going to use his vast wealth to shape the world into what he wanted. It's called philanthropy, except it really was predatory philanthropy. Now, one, one guess, question to in, in, yes. interject there. Um, the John D. Rockefeller Sr., did that vast amount of money come from oil? Yes, standard okay. oil. And so from that's exploiting. What Yes, and from exploiting workers and businesses, his his practices were utterly ruthless. He was one of the um, uh, uh, turn of the century, turn of the uh, 20th century, Robert Barron's, along with Fisk and Gould and uh, um, uh, the the. a whole generation of people who were exploiting the earth and workers and society in order to get really, really rich. Carnegie was one, Ford was another. And right. so he believed in eugenics. He believed in Malthusian solutions to clean up the population and get rid of people that he didn't want to see there, the unfit, the useless eaters, the socially um unbeneficial to him. And so he used his money, uh, among other things, to propagate uh, the concept of eugenics around the world. In fact, his son, John D. Rockefeller Jr., who joined him in using the money this way, um, was the uh, the person who established the Kaiser Wilhelm Institutes in Munich and Berlin obviously before Hitler, to study scientifically the eugenics um, uh, program and to make it happen. And, of course, at the same time, they were bringing about laws in all of the states of the United States to involuntarily um, sterilize Native American women and uh, women they felt shouldn't reproduce because they were in the wrong group or they they had a low IQ or whatever. And they were performing sterilization experiments in the United States and in other countries on people. So they were they were big on this eugenics thing. They also, Rockefeller um, Money, also sponsored the Kinsey Institute. Now, Alfred Kinsey was a PhD in entomology. His specialty was gall wasps, which is a species of wasps that he wrote a PhD on. And after he did every, his... Every, everybody who knows about him assumes that his degree would be in sociology or human no. behavior in some way or gall psychology wasps. or something. Knew nothing about psychology, but he was a perverse man who decided that he would create a completely bogus science called sexology. That's not to say that sex shouldn't be studied and understood and, and, um, uh, dealt with in a reasonable way. Of course it should, but he was a pedophile and he was a pervert. And so what he did was work with People in Europe, for instance, um, Nazis who had either gotten out of jail or escaped jail for their war crimes, um, and 
people in the United States of a similar vein. And, for example, he was very interested in understanding the sexuality of children. So he had his research team, as he called them, um, raping children many, 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 many times in 24 hours. And with a stopwatch clocking their um, uh, orgasms. Well, how do you have an orgasm in a two-month-old baby? Ah, you define orgasm as the following. If the child cries, well, if you're penetrating the child's body with your penis or your finger or an object, child's probably going to cry. So if the child cries, if the child has a convulsion, if the child faints, if the child becomes unresponsive, then all of these things were deemed as the equivalent of an orgasm. And so this pseudoscience based on pedophilia, based on molestation, based on repeated horrifying trauma was divulged as if it were scientific. Uh, lots of other unscientific things were happening. Kinsey was making up data right and left. And then Kinsey published a report with Rockefeller. This is all Rockefeller money. Um, and there's a Kinsey Institute at, um, the, at Illinois University, if I remember correctly, or Indiana. Indiana. Um, and the Kinsey Institute published uh, uh, a big thick volume on sexuality in men and a big thick volume on sexuality in women, which basically said everything is fine. Anything you want to do is just fine. And that was all part of the CIA um, engineered sexual revolution in the 60s and 70s. Um, and I was, I was um, a young woman in the 60s and 70s and said, oh, it's okay. Anything you do is normal sexuality. That's cool. And this was, of course, um, highly useful in the uh, social engineering of the time in order to drain the social a revolutionary fervor that was very, very strong in the 60s and 70s. People were um, quite upset about the Vietnam War and so on. And the New Age and the sexual revolution were all CIA programs to manipulate the society so that all of that energy was being dissipated into either oming or into basically having a wonderful time and forgetting all about social problems and war and so on. And it worked. It worked quite well. Well, meanwhile, progressive education was being supported by the Rockefellers. John Dewey said, we should, we should be concerned with how children feel, not with what they learn. That's so much less important. Well, that went along with Rockefeller saying, we don't want people to use deductive reasoning, inductive reasoning. We want people to be a worker class who don't ask questions. So education was dumbed down and distilled to the point where it was only about feelings primarily. Now, uh, the, the, Money was used, the, the predatory philanthropy by Rockefeller and his buddies, by Carnegie and Ford and, and so on, was used to shape social movements. They supported women's suffrage. Now, I'm a big fan of women's suffrage. I think women, of course, should have the vote. Why did they support it? Because they wanted to break up the family unit where mother was home and reliable. They wanted women out of the house and working. They also supported Margaret Sanger. And as many of your um, your audience already knows, Margaret Sanger's actual purpose, which she said in her letters and her private writings, was to eliminate the Negro race. That's what the Planned Parenthood was about. It was not about giving women reproductive choice. It was about killing as many black babies as possible and that's pretty horrible and it, that and was shocking going, to me still going on quite successfully and absolutely now, paid for by us well i have to say margaret sanger before i knew any of this was one of my heroes because she right. was helping women have control over their reproductive lives and as a woman i will tell you that i believe in reproductive freedom i believe i am not the prisoner of my ovaries or of my uterus, and those choices belong to me. But the the joyful um, 
destruction of human beings is quite different from the sober, careful um, consideration of options, which includes reproductive uh, control of one's body. It's quite different. And right now, if you read the, nine, the 2022 United Nations uh, guidelines on abortion, you will see that they have made it a point of principle that up until the moment that the baby finishes leaving the birth canal, it can be killed at the request of they don't have any mothers. They only have birthing persons, which right. they define incredibly as girls, women, and others. What others do they have in mind? I don't know. Girls, mm-hmm. women, and others. And you know, we know men can get pregnant and have babies now. So well, gender, gender can be absolutely fluid. You can have any delusion you want. And by the way, as I said last time, I think when we were on here, there are two genders. That's it. You only get one or the other. And you're stuck with it your whole life, no matter how you you mutilate your body. Your chromosomes are your chromosomes. You get an XX, you get an XY. XY is male. XX is female. That's how it goes. So that that kind of terrorist misinformation would never be allowed on YouTube. So never, never, be restricted never to allowed. The right. So don't don't even try to post this on YouTube. It no. is misinformation to say that there are only two genders because the delusional um, uh, information or misinformation that gender is up to you. It's a whim based thing is part of the trauma-based mind control that children are being subjected to. It's part of the institution of delusion. So we have the Rockefellers and their predatory philanthropy friends, and Gates is only the latest iteration of this model of predatory philanthropy. And they're using their money to shape society, and they create the whole bogus science of public health. And um, you have a degree in public health, and I know how deeply you respect the whole institution of public health, right? Yeah, right. Quite extraordinary. They called it uh, health services for the program that I was in, which is even more uh, amazing. Yes. And so they were, they were deluding and corrupting and polluting, uh, intellectual activity, medicine, uh, sociology, education intentionally to get to the point where they were approaching now. So, um, they decided they, so, uh, after World War One, the League of Nations was founded. And that was supposed to be the universal peacekeeping organization. And the League of Nations was supposed to be the new world order. But a lot of countries said, "Um, wait a minute, that doesn't sound right. We have this thing called sovereignty, and we kind of like it. It, it's what makes us a country, and we'd rather not give it away. And so, so they still was, had some non-monsters in charge of countries. Yes. Well, they could time. be monsters, but they were not monsters who were willing to give away their power. Okay. There so were they were plenty acting. of monsters. Right. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, the United States, by the way, never ratified the League of Nations. We didn't. We joined, but we never actually formalized our joining, which is interesting. So they had another war. And by the way, I'm sure that your audience knows that John D. Rockefeller Jr. and Sr. and the other uh, predatory members of that club of evil um, actually chose Hitler and prepped him for his role on the world stage. And in fact, uh, John D. Rockefeller sent his own public relations man, John D. Ivey, to Europe to run a little finishing school in how to take over an entire country's mental awareness that three students for his private finishing school were named Goering, Goebbels, and Hitler. And once that was finished, once they were ready to go, John Ivey said, I've done my job, go for it. And so they did, and the rest is very interesting history. So this was all um, very clearly implemented and financed by 
folks on this side of the Atlantic. Now, at the same time... There was the American and British eugenics organizations that were Hitler's idols, right? Mm -hmm. In fact, in Mein Kampf, um, Hitler thanked Rockefeller for showing him the use to which eugenics could be put in the California sterilizations. He specifically says he liked that. Cool. So there was a mutual admiration uh, between these people. And it's very important to remember that because virtually everything that is happening now, everything that we're calling um, the globalist agenda, Agenda 2030, the World Economic Forum Great Reset, everything was well-planned and well-laid out by the Rockefeller predatory philanthropic cabal 140 years ago. That's what they said they wanted to do, and they've used their money and their influence to do it very, very carefully. They were waiting until they had the science ready to go to spring the trap. And now they have the science, they have their genetics, they have their transhumanism. So, um, meanwhile, back to the 60s, the 50s, the 60s, and the 70s, when we had something going on secretly under the aegis of the CIA called um, MKUltra. And we had something secretly going on under the aegis of the FBI called Monarch Program. Um, and there were a bunch of these mind control programs. And a lot of the information was imported directly from Germany because in addition to Operation Paperclip, the Rockefellers brought 3,500 eugenics and mind control scholars, scientists, to the United States and supported them. They had a resettlement, a scholars resettlement program in addition to Operation Paperclip. And so the, the Nuremberg trials were not what people thought. Oh, the Nuremberg trials were a mere pimple, a public relations pimple. Useful, a good thing, but certainly not comprehensive or um, uh, total by any means. The percentage so, of people that were held accountable is very small. Very, very small. So, I mean, if you think that 3,500 scholars eugenic scholars and mind control scholars and poison scholars, bioweapons scholars were brought. They had been supported before, during, and after the Second World War by Rockefeller money. And so they were brought back. The Max Planck Institute was involved. Lots of, lots of famous places had these scholars They were brought to the United States and they were installed in places like the New School in New York and uh, various think tanks were set up for them, foreign policy institutes, brain research institutes, all the money in the world was available after all. So these guys were, were then given the opportunity to continue the work that they had done on breaking down the personality and in creating trauma-based mind control. And the CIA said, yeah, baby, and created MK Ultra, and the FBI said, oh, we want to play too, and went for Monarch, and off they went. And this was international. This was the U.S. and Canada and uh, uh, the U.K. playing together. Well, the um, uh, in, in 1977, Congress had a hearing, and they said, what are you doing? You can't do that. That's terrible. You're torturing people. You're torturing children. You're, you're raping people. You're, you're using drugs against their will. You're capturing them and kidnapping. You can't do that. And the CIA said, oh, well, we're sorry. We won't do that anymore. And the FBI said, gosh, yeah, sorry, got caught. And they publicly acknowledged that they stop those programs. Well, of course they didn't stop those what programs. What year was that? That, they that was 1977. Okay. Uh, the, the church committee, uh, Senator mm-hmm. Church was in, in charge of that. And yeah. it was allegedly stopped. In fact, my husband 
Major General Albert N. Stubblebine III was on active duty at the time. He did not know that these things were happening, uh, and he was horrified like the rest of the U.S. public was horrified. And he sincerely believed that because Congress said, thou shalt not, and the CIA and the FBI said, okay, we won't do that, that they really had stopped. And I said, what kind of idiot are you? Of course, they didn't stop. They continued, but they continued with a a deeper, hidden, black, blacker budget. So there was um, no, no enforcement available? No, of course not. Of course not. Okay. Uh, and no oversight because right. uh, somebody wanted it to continue. Well, what they learned, and, and Kathy O'Brien wrote Transformation in America, and other people came forward and talked right. about the mind control uh, techniques and so on. And what became clear was that the CIA and the FBI and their their um, despicable buddies and the profession of psychiatry was was most reprehensibly reprehensibly deeply involved in this, by the way, along with some other professions. But um, there, what these people learned was how to inflict trauma in a very selective and particular way in order to create a trauma-based mind control system. Now, sometimes you can completely split the personalities into pieces and create a multiple personality um, situation with dissociative disorder. And sometimes you don't have to do that. You can just create adherence to whatever is said by trauma-based um, mind control. And people need to realize that when children are traumatized, typically they identify with the traumatizer. They affiliate with the traumatizer. So if, a, uh, if there's a parent who gets drunk and beats the mother and the children, as happens, you know, mm-hmm. uh, an alcoholic uh, father, let's say, very often, the children will try to get as close as they can to the father. Very often, they will try to please the father to do anything that they can to make sure that the father is happy with them. Very often, as they grow up, they will take on the characteristics of the abuser. And tragically, unless something interferes with this process, when they have their own children, they will often very often repeat the cycle of abuse because that is how they understand relationships. So once you get this traumatic um, pattern and the affiliation that comes with it, all of the trust goes to the person who's violating the child's trust. All of the attachment goes to the most powerful person in the environment, which is the abuser. Now, Let's fast forward to 2010 when, and um, did I see that you wanted to say something, Richard? Did I cut you no, off? No, I'm fine. I'm just listening. Okay. 2010, the World Health so-called organization publishes a document, a technical guidance on comprehensive sexuality education. And they do that in conjunction with International Planned Parenthood Foundation. And International Planned Parenthood has become a depopulation engine. Um, and they do so with, uh, in conjunction with UNESCO, which supposedly is educating children and having programs for children all over the world, looking out for children and making nice things happen, like um, children in in Nigeria learning to play the violin in a, a group orchestra. Isn't that nice? Great. But I that's not the only element, elementary school. They were having us uh, on Halloween go out and collect money for you. Absolutely. A little orange box. Yeah, and exactly. we were supposed to get pennies and spare change in our little orange boxes when we went trick-or-treating and then bring it back to school and we were helping the children of the world right exactly right yeah we were told that um 
And so the propaganda is beautiful. They are really good at propaganda. They have excellent PR. They can make beautiful language cover the most horrendous, vile acts. And that's what they do. So they... They created the comprehensive first version of the comprehensive sexuality education. And the comprehensive sexuality education claims to be evidence based, which means Kinsey's pseudoscience. And what they said was children are sexual beings. And therefore, and now it's gone through several iterations and there's a most recent version that is now being pushed as part of the sustainability goals of Agenda 21, now Agenda 2030, designed to totally destroy every aspect of your life. It's being pushed on every child in the world, regardless of the religious or cultural or uh, uh, other basis of the belief system of the culture in which it's being pushed. Every child is to be seen as sexual. Every child is to, and I quote, begin sexual activity as early as possible. Parents are being told that because their children are sexual from birth, which is not true, we'll talk about that in a moment, because their children are sexual from birth, that they should be masturbating their children, where uh, children and parents and educators are being taught that by the age of four, children should develop lust. Children should not develop lust. Children, by the way, are sensual beings. They are experiential beings. Every part of a child's body gives that child sensations. And that's great. And children you can see do not- when, when kids just get born, they're stretching out their fingers and looking at new colors and trying to explore and, what and maybe feel. they're doing this and yeah. and looking at lights and and uh, making faces and making their tongues go different ways because every part of their body is interesting to them and yeah. according to these um these predators parents should teach children how to masturbate well here's a little secret no child on the planet ever needs to be taught how to masturbate They will figure it out. What they need to learn is the social and cultural norms around sexual activity. Like, that feels really good, dear, but we don't do it at the table. You can go into your room and enjoy yourself. Those are the social and cultural norms that children need to learn. They do not need to learn that sexuality is a public act that everyone participates in. Now, according to to this uh, technical guidance and the implementation guidelines, both of which are published at preventgenocide2030.org, where you can see what they're telling children. According to these guidelines, um, by the age of six, children should be able, six, that's this many, this many, by the age of six, children should be able to fill out a checklist that helps them decide whether they want to have sex with a particular person. I will repeat that. Whether they want to have sex with a particular person. But guess what? Children at the age of six should be having sex with no one. When children are exposed to um, overwhelming sexuality and sexualization, their emotional development freezes and they become trauma bonded because overwhelming sexuality is not pleasure for children. It's trauma. Now, um, the checklist includes the following items. Do I want to hold hands with this person? Six-year-olds hold hands with their friends, with their babysitter, with their parents, with the cop on the street who's helping them cross the the intersection. Six-year-olds hold hands. Do I like being with this person? Yes, six-year-olds like being with a lot of people. Do I want to have oral sex with this person? But you see, six-year-olds are being taught in the classroom how to have oral sex in their kindergarten classrooms and their first grade classrooms. Do I want to have anal sex with this person? 
uh, that really shouldn't be happening. Do I want to have genital sex? Why is a six-year-old considering having any kind of sex? Well, why is because they are over-sexualized, hyper-sexualized, and trauma based sexuality is being used to stunt the emotional development of every child on the planet. According to their guidelines, by the age of nine, a child should be competent in the use of online pornography. Let me, let me repeat that. By the age of nine, a child should be competent in the use of online pornography. What organization is saying this? The United Nations, UNESCO, and the World Health Organization in their comprehensive sexuality education. I am not making this up. I am by no means crazy enough to make this up. And you can find this documentation in their documents, not commentary, their documents at Prevent Genocide 2030 on the uh, the page about comprehensive sexuality education. They are also teaching children that all of this sexual stuff should be hidden from their parents. Teachers are being told that it is their right and responsibility to hide all of this sexual activity and identification and so on, and children are being lied to. They are being told that they can be a boy or a girl depending on what they feel like. And then they're being given the opportunity to mutilate their bodies and take hormones without knowledge of parents. This is uh, a legal trend. Now, let's talk about the United Nations in this. On March 8th, the United Nations issued a report for the judiciary system of the world. That is every lawmaker, every judge, every lawyer in the world is guided by this supposedly um, wise and peace-loving body is guided to decriminalize predatory sex, decriminalize sex between anybody and anybody because everybody can consent to anything. You can consent to sex. Somebody says, to a three-year-old, hey, I'll give you a piece of candy if you touch me here. And the three-year-old says, okay, because under this new judicial guideline, pedophilia, which is not mentioned, just consensual sex, is no longer to be criminalized. That means that anybody can make a decision to do anything because they're eliminating childhood as a state of special protection, and they're eliminating parents as people who have responsibility to protect children and can make decisions. Parents are being removed, and the state of childhood as a special protected status is being removed. Children can consent to anything at any time under this guideline. The only time sexuality would be criminal is if somebody can't consent. That means, I suppose, if somebody is unconscious, they probably couldn't consent, but... Infants are said to be able to consent. And at the same time, we learn that it is, uh, they say, it is the right of every child to have sexual partners. It is my contention, and that of any sane human being, that it is the right of every adult and the right of every parent to protect children, and it is the right of children to be protected from hypersexualization. Now, you might say, well, Dr. Rima, you're just being a prude. If kids want to have sex, then they should be able to have sex. The problem is that when children are hypersexualized early, and this is this whole program is about hypersexualization, and by the way, In their guideline, it says that every curriculum subject has to be taught through the lens of sexuality. Uh, That's pretty crazy. Why do you need to teach math as sexuality? Why do you need to teach anything as sexuality? But everything has to go through the lens of sexuality. So there's no escape 
from this constant drumming of sexuality and sexual activity and gender identity uh, nonsense. Now, what happens is that the emotional, physical, neurological status freezes at the point of trauma. And it becomes harder and harder and harder to recover normal development as the trauma is reintroduced. A single trauma has a huge impact, but a repeated trauma that never stops and that is normalized is totally destructive of the normal empathetic ability of people to feel what other people feel to know what they themselves feel, and to make the decisions as growing adults. If we all think back to the decisions that we would have made when we were 6, when we were 12, when we were 18, and when we were 26, we will see that those decisions were vastly different because we could think differently. We could project into the future. We could see what other people were feeling and seeing and, and telling us. And, and we could be more and more um, cognitively and emotionally um, uh, subtle in our thinking. But by removing the special protected status of children and the special protected status of parents and substituting the state, which is what the school is, what we're doing is normalizing hypersexualization and normalizing pedophilia so that we have stunted emotional growth and capability and people will be obedient to their masters. This is all about Agenda 2030, getting rid of anybody who asks questions and controlling people from the sexual, the genetic, the emotional part outward so that they are slaves who are content to be slaves in the 15-minute cities, never ask questions, own nothing. They are happy. They will eat the bugs and they will never ask a question so and what what seems to be coming from the schools you're saying is actually coming from the u.n absolutely the guidelines are there if you we've also published on prevent genocide 2030 the european guidelines uh from taken from the u.n program which lay out exactly what's supposed to happen to children. Children should have their first sexual encounters with people of the same sex. Why are preschool children having sexual encounters? Um, People, uh, children are taught to have same-sex relationships as normal. Now, if children are playing together and, and are stimulating one another and so on, that can be normal exploratory behavior, but making it a normal requirement by the school, by the babysitter, by the parents is insane. This has no relationship to normal human development throughout all of human history. Furthermore, um, their official uh, material, and we have this in a slideshow from the United Nations, says that what they are doing is changing social, cultural, religious, and uh, uh, communal behavior to eliminate the patriarchy. Well, wait a minute. What if you live in a culture where you believe that God said that the patriarchy is the way it should be, and that's how the culture is organized? Who is the United Nations? Who is WHO? Who is UNESCO to come along and say, nope, you can't have a patriarchy anymore because we said you can't, and we are going to take your children away from you psychologically, emotionally, sexually, spiritually, and make you the outsider parent imam, uh, priest, rabbi, you don't have anything to say. And children are no longer your responsibility, except when they fall apart, then you have to pick up the pieces, parents. So you get uh, basically you're a zookeeper and you have to keep the kid fed and clothed and uh, uh, hose away the shit when there is shit, and there will be shit, as in this transgender 
disaster. This tells me that what I want to do is protect every aspect of my culture, including every child, and get the United States where I happen to live and every other country that I can influence the hell out of WHO and the United Nations. Because if you're a parent or a grandparent or an aunt or an uncle and you're protecting your kid or your kids, that's great, but you haven't solved the problem. The problem is that they're coming for the kids and they're coming for you and their plans are very clearly laid and it is to exterminate almost all of us and to enslave everybody who's left the kids that they allow to survive from the DNA level out. So the only answer in my view, Richard, is we need to exit WHO, which is why PreventGenocide2030.org exists. There are actions that people can take to force their governments to change course and get out of these death-dealing organizations. And like we talked about before, let people know why that's not an unrealistic dream, you know, that, that this kind of force can actually work. Yes, People say, well, you know, these politicians are corrupt, and even if we send them 10 million emails, they're not going to change their minds, to which my response is, I don't care what they believe. Of course, they're corrupt, and they're, um, you know, uh, not worthy of my consideration, and I certainly wouldn't want to break bread with them, but I don't care what they believe. What I care about is what they do, and we know that when the will of the people rises up peacefully, always peacefully, when the will of the people rises up and we show them our numbers and our discontent simultaneously and let them know that they are about to lose control of the control that they believe is their right, then they back off. Now, we have examples of this in Chile, where I, when I was living in Chile with my husband, um, we discovered that they were just about to ratify a truly horrible international treaty called UPAV 91, which would have given the intellectual property ownership of the entire genetic matrix of the country to Monsanto and their evil twins. And we said, no, 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 no. And they had been pushing this through for 15 years. And the final vote was just days away in the Senate of uh, Chile. And so we created an internet campaign and we had people use their freedom mouse to send about 65 letters with a single click to the Minister of Health and the provincial governors and all of the senators and the president of the country and the vice president and then on and on and on and on. All the, all the poobahs that we could think of. Anytime anybody clicked send, their letter was sent to all these people. Well, Chile had at that time 17 and a half million people. Three and a half million people took that action. Wow. The government of Chile, after 15 years of very, very active preparation for this ratification, could not pass this treaty, could not ratify the treaty. We stopped the vote, and to this day, which is um, uh, seven, eight years later, they have still not been able to ratify it because the people were watching, and the people said, don't you dare, don't you dare. And this was days away from final ratification. We also got rid of the Minister of Agriculture and, and had some other fun things happen. But it was simply because the will of the people said no. And they said it peacefully, but they said it forcefully. Now, in the United States in 2009, you've heard me tell this story, the United mm-hmm. States government declared, the FDA declared, actually through the head of Health and Human Services, Kathleen Sebelius, declared to Congress on September 15, 2009, that there would be a mandatory swine flu program starting with the people who wanted it, but every man, woman, and child in the United States would be injected. 
and she specified what the conditions were. And we discovered that they were going to inject every man, woman, and child in the country with something that would sterilize them. And, of course, that's consistent with the uh, the glo- global agenda. So we told people about it, and we gave them the opportunity to once again ride their freedom mouse and click. And each click sent 28 letters out to their congressmen and so on and so on. When again, you say, another when you, when three. We told people about it. You mean the Natural Solutions, Natural Solutions Foundation, of which I am the medical director. Uh, we created that in 2004 to derail the globalist agenda and tell people what their choices were and give them the opportunity to decide how they wanted to live their lives. And, was that originally um, started to stop Codex Alimentarius? No. It was started to derail a globalist agenda. We chose Codex Alimentarius as our first project because everybody eats. Yes, okay. And Codex, the the weaponization of food was just part of the weaponization of the entire planet against our survival. So we chose food uh, as a tactical option to begin with. And um, so we, we gave people the opportunity to tell the government of the United States that they did not want to be mandatorily vaccinated nor to be sterilized. And again, in 11 days, another three and a half million people sent 28 emails each. Well, what happened was on day 12, Kathleen Sebelius, the head of Health and Human Services, said, oh, okay, we won't do that. And they dropped the program. Uh, We've done it when the FDA had issued a guidance, which they were about to turn into a regulation, which is the same as a law in the United States, which said that every single thing that's ever been used to make people feel better, whether it's holy water or whether it's hot rocks in a massage or whether it's garlic or chicken soup or water, a glass of water, everything that has ever been used to make people feel better would be declared a an untested drug and would be subject to FDA control or forbidding. And we found out about it very, very close to the deadline when they were just about to make it happen. And we told people about it. And over a weekend, Richard, 688,000 people sent an email to the FDA saying, don't you dare. And on Monday morning, That was over a weekend, and we crashed the FDA um, email system, by the way. Yay. And on Monday morning, they dropped it. 688,000 people between Friday evening and Sunday evening or Monday morning when the system crashed forced them to back off from that. Now, they're trying the same thing, by the way, in Australia, and people are not forcing it to be backed off, and in Canada, uh, because that's part of the global agenda. You will eat the bugs, not your mother's chicken soup. Well, we have that power. We have that power. And it lies in our mouths, in our hands, and in our heads and in our hearts. When we say, don't you dare, in enough numbers, it doesn't matter what they believe. It doesn't matter what they want to do. What matters is they know they're going to lose control of the situation if they don't accede to our request. And they step back every single time. And I say every child on this planet is precious enough to say, don't you dare to these monsters about. Every child on this planet is being attacked by them and traumatized with this gender nonsense and this sexualization and this trauma-based mind control. They've taken everything the CIA has learned and everything the FBI has learned, and now they're smashing it into the educational curriculum to destroy the psychosexual development of every child on the planet if they can. And I say... Don't you dare, which is why we have Prevent Genocide 2030, where people from all over the world can go and take the actions to send their don't you dare, their demand that we get out of WHO and the United Nations and get out immediately to send their demands to their government. And when the demand is massive enough, the government will act on our direction. 
they won't like it, I don't care. I think that pretty well makes the point. The website is preventgenocide2030.org. Please go there. There's a vast amount of information, but the most important point is you need to take the actions that are there. Each, when you say, when you click on take action, there's a list of countries. Take the action for your country and tell the politicians, the gatekeepers, the public servants, get us out of these organizations now. It's your responsibility. You can do it. We can all do it. Okay, you guys, I'm sorry for the abrupt ending. In case you noticed it, we lost internet connection. And um, Dr. Remo was fortunately pretty much finished up, but I got kicked off. So we're actually coming back 24 hours later. And um, not much to add, except I really, and I apologize if, if my voice is a little bit off. It's been that way lately, but trying to get it better. Um, I like telling you guys about People to Support and Natural Solutions Foundation with Dr. Rima and Council Ralph and General Burt is one of those groups of people that is doing fantastic work. And right now, going to preventgenocide2030.org is a really good idea, and it doesn't take much of your time at all. It costs very little. In fact, it costs zero in money, just a few minutes of time. And try to realize the incredible value of this software and system that Rima and her colleagues have set up. It makes it so that you have to take very little time, and it automatically sends emails to all your representatives, your so-called representatives. And, you know, I was really amazed that that would do anything because I thought, wow, these representatives are so corrupt. that Why would, why would they care if a billion people send them an email? But as Dr. Rima pointed out, they do. It's proven. Um, they stopped the uh, mandatory swine flu shots and several other things that she gave as examples. So it's worth your time. And um, another thing that she clarified for me is that you can do it over and over again. They they don't, it's not like in a voting in an election. They don't have a rule where you just vote once, well, supposedly once. With these campaigns on Remus software, uh, you can do it again and again. So one person can send out the emails through the software as many times as you're willing to do it, and it's really worthwhile. So if if they get millions and millions of emails saying that your country, wherever you live in the world, should withdraw from WHO and UN, it's conceivable they they would even do that. I mean, it's just mind-blowing to me that representatives would feel that much pressure from huge numbers of emails, but they do. It's proven. Even with vaccines, where they're really attached to forcing everybody to get poisoned and killed, um, they backed off. You know, the HHS secretary, Kathleen Sebelius, changed her mind in 2009, and it saved so many lives. So the other thing is... um, If you have the means and you can support uh, Natural Solutions Foundation, you can do it two ways that I know of financially. One is they have a a website, and it's called NSF, like Natural Solutions Foundation, nsfmarketplace.com, and they sell really valuable nutritional supplements and things like that at that site. Take a look at it. And you can also donate there. There's a button for donations. And I'm not getting anything. I'm not getting a commission. Um, I am friends with Rima and Bert and Ralph. Um, but they're not paying me to tell the truth. Um, I just do. In fact, I really prefer not to get a referral fee for anybody because then you know, you know, I'm just telling you because that's what I have found to be true. And I've known. Dr. Rima for more than 20 years since she first told me about 
this really good spirulina supplement that she knew about. I don't even remember the name now. But ever since then, uh, what I've observed of her behavior and work has been incredible. So support Natural Solutions Foundation any way that you can. Send them prayers and good thoughts and money and mainly go to preventgenocide2030.org and nsfmarketplace.com. And then um, if you want to see our videos, go to lostheartsradio.com. And we may or may not still be on YouTube at the moment. We're very close to getting permanently banned there. But we have a lot of other channels, a lot of other platforms we're on. And you can contact them all by going through lostheartsradio.com. And then the group that I started with Doug's help, which is about uh, health and consciousness and using tools, both physical and non-physical, to help with the work of healing yourself and healing the world, which are connected. Um, that's at planetaryhealingclub.com. And if you have questions about that, um, Richard at lostheartsradio.com, you're always welcome to email me. And people have been asking that I've talked to recently. Um, Richard, you've been through this attack, physical attack. What if you're not there? Well, there's no guarantees the next day that any of us will be there. This is a very unstable environment that we're in. But for the moment, we do everything we can. And that's the focus of that group is to, on all levels, work toward healing our world. And, you know, it's not only the good guys that are looking at using consciousness. The bad guys are pumping in um, fear and all kinds of other emotions that go with that to make sure we stay helpless and disconnected from our normal abilities. So we need to do the opposite. Anyway, my voice is almost gone, but if you want to go to planetaryhealingclub.com, you can get in and join us for the live meetings. And it would be an honor to have you there. Any questions, Richard, at lostheartsradio.com. So take care of yourself. Do the best you can in this very interesting environment that we found ourselves in. And let's help each other get through it and bring it back to the way it's supposed to be, okay? Thanks for supporting Dr. Rima. And uh, we'll meet you here next time. Take care. Mistakes I have made Battles lost within the bloody fray But I am hearing you above the noise I turn and run to you I have no choice I'm choosing to trust in love over logic And following the sound of your voice I am here from you above the din Remembering your touch on my skin I'm choosing to trust in love over pride And drawing it to breath begin again In the madness is the struggle for love and feeling you've been hurt and understood So I move toward you Like metal to magnet Seeking what I know is only good But I am hearing you above the noise I turn and run to you I have no choice I'm choosing to trust in Sound of your voice.